Hi there, I'm Jennifer Stewart. And I'm Katherine Clark, and we're so glad that you're joining us today for The Honest Talk. We're excited to be bringing you conversations with some of North America's most inspiring women, and we are thrilled to be partnering with RBC as we do so. This podcast is about leaving behind the talking points and diving into the real, authentic, and unique personal stories of our guests. Stories which we hope might influence or inspire your own journeys. So let's get right to it. Christy Kirkup is an award-winning journalist who's worked for Canada's largest media companies. She now serves as parliamentary reporter for the Globe and Mail and has traveled internationally with two prime ministers and covered several election campaigns. Christy is also defined by the transparency she displays on social media about the joys and terrors of balancing motherhood with a pandemic and a demanding career. And we are thrilled that she is our guest today on The Honest Talk. Christy, welcome. Thank you so much. And thank you for those kind words. No issue. So elephant in the room, how are you feeling about uh, being being back on the the election bus? You know, I I was saying to a friend last night that I feel like the idea of going on the road right now seems kind of exotic. And I don't want to trigger my husband by by saying that because I know that um, it it won't be uh, like that when when he's at home with our three year old and I'm out on the road and and very busy. But, um, you know, obviously uh, I'm a political junkie and I can't really contain my excitement about covering an election. Obviously, the last 16, 17 months have been, I think, really challenging for everyone. So I do feel like I'm, it's a strange thing to say, but I feel like I'm starting a reintegration program. I've started doing my makeup again for the first time (laughs) in about a year and a half. But I keep trying to kind of coach myself through uh, a little bit of that anxiety that comes up because I tell myself that, you know, I've, I've done this before. I've covered three campaigns. And uh, during the last campaign, actually, um, my daughter was 18 months old and my husband was recovering from a very severe concussion. So in a way, um, you know, she's a little bit older now and my husband is doing better. And not to tell you my life story, but I feel like things may be a little bit more straightforward on the home front uh, for me. So I'm, I'm feeling also just ready to to get back out and talking to people and getting on the road again. You've got a daughter, Christy, how, and, and you've got a high stakes career. I mean, your byline is on the front page of the Globe and Mail most days. How has the pandemic been for you? Yeah, um, that's very kind of you to say. I uh, it, it has been a, a real juggling act uh, for sure. I would kind of divide it up kind of in chapters, if you will. I think the first part of the pandemic the first five months or so, my daughter, again, you know, in the life of a child, the pandemic, you know, now going on almost a year and a half, you know, my daughter, Hazel, is an extremely different person um, than she was when this pandemic began. Um, Again, I remember when the prime minister was making announcements and I was covering that from home when the border was closing and all these announcements were happening. My husband also works in news. And so our jobs were really of course, intense as the world as we know it, um, you know, was was being upended completely. And, you know, she was there watching Justin Trudeau and, uh, you know, playing with her, um, you know, playing with Play-Doh in, in her playroom as I was uh, trying to go for the PM. It was, it was uh, kind of surreal. 
Um, I will say that um, I did have, um, you know, and I know this was not something that that everyone had access to during that time, uh, but I, I feel the need to say this out loud because it wasn't like I was a magician. My mom, whose school was closed, was able to offer me um, some support with childcare during that time. So that was, I, I don't honestly know how we would have managed it um, otherwise. Uh, but, um, you know, she was kind of the the glue that held the gong show together uh, during those five months. And then uh, when she went back to daycare, um, that was um, obviously a huge help. And I, I can't say enough about how grateful I am for her incredible daycare providers who have been doing such an important, uh, such important work during the pandemic. And again, with the the heaviness of all the stories uh, that I've kind of been telling during this time and um, what I do would not be possible with without them. And they are amazing and they are like family to us. So we're very grateful for that. And then, um, you know, there, <laughs> there have been hiccups along the way, um, you know, having to go into uh, my daughter, having to go into isolation. Uh, so, you know, again, the gong show began again, um, not actually for a time when my mom went back to school in the fall, then we had no contacts outside of, um, our, our home during that time. So my husband and I were kind of trying to contend with, um, with that. And again, some, some hiccups along the way, including her having to be home, you know, maybe for two weeks at a time covering parliamentary hearings on sexual misconduct in the Canadian armed forces while trying to look after a, a three-year-old, um, of course, with my AirPods on. So she's not hearing uh, the content, but th those were some of the more challenging moments. But again, I think, I think the biggest thing about this pandemic is that I see more and more working women in particular being honest about, um, you know, what they've gone through. And I think of both of you as examples of that. And I just, I hope that we're a little bit more honest going forward, because again, I, I won't lie to you. I, I, I think that, you know, perhaps the, the gong show was intensified during this time, but it's never, it's never easy, right. To juggle all these things with young children. This is perhaps just, I think, turned up the, the volume on the struggle, but, um, you know, I, I often tell myself, you know, okay. And I think of you, Jen, you know, talking about kind of pushing through those early hard years thinking, you know, this is, this is not always going to be the way that it is. Um, I went on my first PM trip when my daughter was nine and a half months old. Um, I was working for Canadian press at the time. And I remember saying to my husband before I left, like I was, you know, like ahead of time, I'm going to lean in, I'm going to do all these things. And yeah. then I said to him, I don't think I can do this. Like, I don't, I don't think I can go. And he's like, well, you're going like the prime minister's plane is leaving. You're going on assignment. Like we're, we're dropping you off, you know? And so that whole time I, I felt very discombobulated and um, I guess to, to thread it back, I don't think the feeling of ever feeling like super, super comfortable juggling the two things has ever, you know, I always told myself, maybe when she's a year old or maybe when she's two or maybe when she's three, maybe, maybe it will feel less like I'm, you know, um, like this is challenging. And I just, I think the reality is, um, again, Jen, you've written about it. You know, those, those first few years are challenging and having, you know, supports around, um, makes a big difference, but I do, um, you know, look to the example of other women who have been able to do it and, and draw inspiration from that.
No, I think you're so right. Cause it's letting for me anyways, it was letting go of the mom guilt, which hit me so hard trying to run a company when my kids were young. And, and obviously like you, my priority is, is my children. I remember I'd go down for a day of, of meetings in Toronto and fly back that day and then be super mom, then wake up the next morning at five to get a workout in and be there when they woke up. And over the years, I've learned you've got to let some of that go because you're going to crash and burn. And it's totally fine for others to play a really strong, loving role in the lives of your kids and, and, and they benefit from it. So I, there's no easy answer, but it's, it's, it is difficult. What, what were you like when you were a little girl, Christy? Like, did you always want to write, to talk to people, to be a journalist? Yeah, I, I grew up in Manitoba, in Northern Manitoba, at least for we moved around a bit, but um, there wasn't, we lived in the country and there wasn't a lot to do. So my brother um, had this karaoke machine and I would uh, essentially turn my brother into an interview subject that he would play the various characters. And I would have a show called Perk Up with Kirk Up. And <laughs> I would interview my brother. And yeah. And so ever since I I was a kid. I've thought about wanting to work in journalism and tell stories and again, have these, you know, pretend shows. And, um, you know, in some ways I feel like I'm, I mean, in many ways, I'm very much living out that, that dream. So that's, that's really exciting. You're very open, Christy, in your, in your Twitter account. It's an interesting account and, and on social media in general, you know, you can, focus on on what you know, which is your reporting, or you can add some human content as well. And you really add the human content, but there's, you know, there's upsides and downsides to that kind of transparency. Why, why are you so transparent and authentic um, on social media? Yeah, I, I appreciate you saying that. I don't, I don't think I've um, deliberately thought about, you know, I'm intentionally going to be more real. I think, honestly, I think it's happened during the pandemic. And part of it is because I'm an extrovert trapped in house prison. And so <laughs> I normally would just, you know, tell a friend or whatever and share that, but that's not happening. So I think that that has happened on social media. And, you know, I think to moments where I've, you know, tweeted pictures of, and I, I don't think I'm doing anything, you know, profound or I don't know if it's that interesting. <laughs> People would be like, oh, she tweeted a picture of her furnace, unfollow. But, um, you know, I, I remember this one moment where I was interviewing a minister and it was a late breaking story. And my daughter was having like a full fledged body meltdown upstairs. And I could, I had gone down into the basement and gone down into the furnace room to try and just have this quiet chat with the minister. And because I was on deadline and she was just, you know, she was having some big feelings and it was a full body. Like you could hear her like through, through the boards of the floor. <laughs> and I just thought like, you know, here I am, I'm trying to find this quiet space and I'm not going to beat myself up over the fact that, you know, I'm, I'm trying as, I think I'm a recovering perfectionist, honestly. And, um, I think normally being honest about what was going on behind the scenes, I, I probably would have just put on a show and acted like everything was fine. But in, in that moment and other moments throughout the pandemic, I feel like it's just impossible for me to pretend anymore, you know, to again, put on a full face of makeup and act like I'm not juggling a million things. And now I'm just like, yep, this is me. Like 
yep, sorry, minister, my daughter's having a tantrum. I'm going to, you know, deploy the <laughs> mute function. Like I, what am I supposed to do? Yesterday I was, um, again, it was just on a, a later breaking story and I was doing an interview and I had just picked up my daughter from daycare. And I, I don't know, maybe I, under normal circumstances, maybe I wouldn't have said anything or I would have been, I worried a lot when I had Hazel about how it was going to affect my career. I honestly, I don't know why I thought that, but I just thought, well, maybe, maybe this will change everything. And I just told, I was interviewing a Senator and, and I just said, Oh, sorry, I've just pulled over to the side of the road. And, you know, you just, so, you know, there's a little person in the back seat, and, and you, you might hear some noise, which she, she, she didn't make any noise, but why was I so, why have I always been so worried about mm-hmm. pretending like, you know, I'm not a mom or that I um, am not juggling things. Why, why do we feel this need to perform? Um, and I think, frankly, that contributes to this feeling, right? But I, I'd love to hear your thoughts on this, but it contributes to this feeling among women like, you know, oh, well, that person, they've got it all together and they're perfect. And, you know, w- what's wrong with me? Why, why can't I, you know, do have an amazing career and juggle home life and do all these things. And the reality is, you know, there's so much going on behind the scenes that people are just not showing. And so again, maybe there is a little bit more, I I love the name of your show, the honest talk, because I think, you know, if people were just a little bit more honest, then maybe people would feel more seen and feel like, you know, they were less of a failure because they somehow they somehow feel like they can't juggle at all. I, I think, yeah. I think it's hard. And, and I, I hope that people can just be a little bit more authentic about that. I think authenticity is something I guess I'm striving for in some of my tweets. Um, it's just like, I don't have the bandwidth to pretend anymore. So this is the real me and mm-hmm. like, here I am beside my furnace and you know, this is, <laughs> this is what's going on. You just hit the nail on the head because again, I remember when my my daughter was born. I remember speaking to my husband. She was only two weeks, so there was a flurry of hormones that I had to pick because you either were this perfect business person that had it all together at all times, or you were a mother. And I've, I've grappled with that for a long time, and it's very intentional to try to talk about it. And it's not always comfortable because it feels like you know you're letting go of that aura of perfection, but it's not accurate. It's absolutely not accurate. So I think the more conversations we have like this and the more women like yourself that are, you know, open to being honest, it really sets a a really strong, I think, extremely powerful example. It has been a, like a wild news year. Um, Obviously with the pandemic, uh, with the sexual harassment in the Canadian Armed Forces, with the children's bodies that were discovered at the residential schools across Canada, what story has impacted you the most? Hmm. Yeah, I would say um, I've covered the Indigenous Affairs file for a long time and uh, covered the release of the TRC report, of course, but, you know, the the findings um, that we're hearing about uh, from different communities across the country, I I do see, um, you know, I, I think there is a moment happening according to a number of, um, you know, Indigenous leaders um, where this is, I think, um, being discussed more and more by Canadians as it should be. And I, I can't think of uh, a story or a beat, frankly, that deserves uh, more attention from the media, because frankly, I, I think that it has been um, in years past un- undercovered. 
And uh, I hope that uh, we continue to have a conversation about also the longstanding impact of residential schools. And I, and obviously the TRC documented those longstanding impacts, but you can look at everything from the criminal justice system to the healthcare system, um, you know, and the impacts of, of uh, systemic racism uh, in those systems. So I, I would say that that story in particular, um, you know, I, I think a lot of, of Canadians share in that feeling of, you know, again, there, there is um, this moment happening and, uh, you know, we anticipate there will be additional findings um, because there's uh, money being uh, deployed to communities to do this um, forensic uh, research work. So um, I would say that um, that's the story that's top of mind for me. Just as we as we wrap up our conversation, and and Jen and I have have really enjoyed this, and and really enjoyed how authentic that uh, that you've been and honest, and and what you've been going through. What advice do you have for other women who are listening? What advice would you give other women who've gone through this really unsustainable year, <laughs> and who are looking to uh, reemerge into society <laughs> as many of us are double vaccinated, and as the world kind of slowly opens up again? Yeah, I would say that um, a concern that I have is, and I think we've seen this play out with statistics, is the number of of women who have had to leave the workforce because, um, you know, because of this unsustainable situation that has has been um, uh, before people. And I, I that is something that that I worry about, um, you know, among friends or you know people that I know. Um, uh, because I understand why people feel like this is a lot. And frankly, I know that I'm speaking from, from, um, you know, position of privilege and I'm very fortunate, um, that, you know, my husband is, uh, my husband is a feminist, which is what makes my, honestly makes everything possible for me. He is, you know, the person who cooks the meal every single night because I'm taking edits into the evening. He is the person who I, you know, will leave with my child who's in the bath because again, I have to work into the night because there's a breaking story. I I'm very, very fortunate. Um, and, um, you know, have, have support systems, um, in place, but, um, I guess to answer your question about advice, I guess I do, again, I, I look to, um, I look to people like you guys, um, you know, for that inspiration, as I said before. And I think that, I keep trying to tell myself this and, and, um, and hopefully other women too, is just, you know, again, like you've got this. And if you don't, um, again, you know, to, to reach out to, to, you know, to seek help or, or to ensure that, you know, um, you're not pushing yourself to the brink, but I guess that is something I worry about is, is, um, the longer this goes on, um, I'll, I'll tell you a very quick story. I know we're trying to wrap up, but um, my daughter, um, she had to go for a COVID test on Friday um, because she had a runny nose. And I was working that day and juggling writing that day. And uh, then <laughs> she was COVID negative, but then her runny nose came back on Monday and she had a little cough and then she was off for two days. So, you know, there I was again, dealing with childcare at home. And so it's so imperfect. Right. And so also I think 
too, for employers, I'm very, I'm so fortunate because I have a very flexible employer and, you know, um, they know that my daughter's at home with me and I'm juggling these things and we, we have been navigating that. And, um, you know, I, I just think that we all are going to have to, you know, speak up for what we need to, because I, again, I just don't think that we can pretend like, I, I I probably would have cringed at the idea of telling a boss, I'm sorry, I have to go get a co you know, go get a COVID test or, you know, oh, I have my kid at home again today because she has a runny nose, but you can't do this alone or pretend like you're not juggling things because again, it's just, it's just the reality. So I hope that, you know, employers and, um, organizations going forward too are just kind of mindful that especially going into the fall that I think we're all going to have to be pretty flexible because if a runny nose can essentially derail an an entire work week that's a problem right that's a problem for the economy it's a problem for women in in the workforce for sure Mm -hmm. but honestly I think women will leave if they come back after the pandemic and employers aren't flexible I think they're going to look elsewhere and it's going to be a really stark awakening for the employers that can't think with that 21st century purview um, and and I also think, you know, Hazel's going to, as a daughter of a, a working mother, and I think Hazel's going to look back with a lot of admiration and pride on what you were able to do during the pandemic between being, you know, an amazing mom and, you know, covering the prime minister's press conference. So, you know, I think we all can take it a bit easy on ourselves. Uh, Christy, thank you for being on the Honest Talk and thank you for, you know, leading by example and being an authentic voice for women and men everywhere. I think you affect and impact more people than you realize. That's incredibly kind. Thank you so much. That's a wrap. And thank you to our wonderful listeners across Canada and around the world for joining us. If you'd like to listen to previous episodes, you can subscribe to The Honest Talk wherever you get your podcasts, including on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and our website, thehonesttalk.ca. Finally, a big thank you to our sponsor, RBC, which offers digital-first solutions, advice, and services that go beyond banking to help you realize your true potential. And that's what this podcast is all about. You can find more info at rbc.com business. But for now, stay healthy and stay safe. And we truly look forward to having you back soon for more of The Honest Talk.